Our scripture reading this morning is 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26. You can turn there in your own Bibles if you bring your own Bible or in a pew Bible or you can follow along up front. 1 Corinthians 11, beginning at verse 23. This is where the Apostle Paul uh, teaches that Corinthian church about uh, the Lord's Supper and um, Jesus' institution of it. Let's hear God's holy and infallible word beginning at verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's God's word for us this morning. May he bless it to our hearts and lives. So in this series we've been doing uh, on the miracles of Jesus, we've talked about the fact that the point of uh, the miracles, and we've been following the miracles in the Gospel of Matthew, the point is not so much that we duplicate those miracles today that we turn water into wine, that we heal the lame and the blind, uh, that we're resurrecting people from the dead. Those miracles, like other miracles in the Bible, were done at a particular key point in the history of God's salvation and weren't necessarily to be repeated forever. More, the idea of these miracles for us today is that they are signs of the miracle of salvation, of day-by-day renewal spiritually in our hearts and lives, of new life and life everlasting, of the miracle that any one of us, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, can enter the kingdom of God. Those are all miracles, and those types of miracles are actually greater in a sense, and they're certainly longer lasting than the miracles that Jesus performed. If you think about it, those who were healed by Jesus would no doubt have gotten sick again. Those raised to life by Jesus died again. Those fed by Jesus got hungry again. Now, Saying all of that, that doesn't mean I don't believe that God can't do the more outward miracles today like he did in certain periods of history. He can, and I firmly believe he does. And In fact, I'm quite sure there are a lot more miracles going on in our lives, in the world, where the church uh, is expanding rapidly, perhaps like in India, there are more miracles, I'm quite sure, going on than we recognize or know or expect. Sometimes in our lives, and maybe you've had this, it's hard to know what to call a miracle. Is this, is this a miracle? I want you to see what you think about something that happened to me and Sarah this past April. We celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary 
last December 20th. Uh, we wanted to do something nice, but didn't know what, didn't know when. I was feeling very beat down at the time of our anniversary in December. Um, just, I had that a year of radiation, of chemotherapy, and it was really hitting me uh, as the year went on, especially in December. Uh, one of my sisters, Rebecca, called in, in the midst of that very low point in about mid-December and shared that she had started a GoFundMe account to make it possible for Sarah and, and, and I to do something special for our anniversary. And uh, with some guidance from good friends of ours, we ended up staying at a resort in Mexico that was right by the ocean. Sarah had intended to buy new sunglasses before we left, but just never got around to it. Uh, the ones, the only pair that she had kept slipping down when she walked, which was super annoying, and she finally just took them off and squinted in the sunshine. On the second day, uh, as we were walking along the beach, uh, we were having a pretty deep conversation, wasn't it? Do you remember that? About how good God has been to our family, reflecting on our marriage, um, and how despite some really challenging times over the years, God has provided truly everything that we need. And He often provided for what we needed in very, very specific ways that we could name. And as we were talking about God's gracious provision for us, I suddenly noticed a pair of sunglasses right in front of us in the sand where the water lapped up. We headed that direction. I picked them up, and before they washed out to sea, I said, here's some sunglasses for you, kind of jokingly, right? I rinsed uh, the sand off in the water. I handed them to Sarah, and I'm like, try them on. She did and said, you know, they actually feel like they fit. How do they look? And I said, they actually look pretty good. There wasn't a scratch on them, and they not only looked good, but they fit perfectly, which is very surprising because Sarah has a hard time finding sunglasses that fit her face. She's sometimes had to buy child-sized sunglasses for her face. She wore them the rest of the week so happy, and we both were about you know, in the big scheme of things, a pretty small thing, but a concrete display, again, of God's provision in our lives. When we got home, we told the kids the story, we showed them the sunglasses, and we couldn't tell the brand name because the inscription in the corner of the lens was so tiny. Well, a week later, kind of on a whim, Hannah took a photo of the brand name, zoomed in, and it read Maui Jim. Didn't mean anything to us. Hannah looked that name and that particular pair of sunglasses up online and said, Mother, come here. She said, those glasses are worth $299. And she said, look at the, and look at the description, and she read it online. It read, specifically designed for small faces. Now, Sarah doesn't let those sunglasses out of her sight. <clears throat> she doesn't just toss them in her purse. She bought a carrying case for them. But think about that. Not only did God provide sunglasses from out of the ocean, 
They were the, but they were the perfect fit for Sarah, and they were the highest quality pair of sunglasses that either of us had ever owned. I'll let you be the judge of whether that counts as a miracle of God's provision for us. What I absolutely can tell you with certainty this morning is that the Lord's Supper is a modern-day miracle that we might not have our eyes open to, that we might be missing. And so the question, series of questions for us today are, are, are kind of like, what, how does the miracle of the Lord's Supper take place? What happens exactly? What is the miracle exactly? And there have been different answers to those questions among Christians. Pretty much all Christians believe that there's, there's something miraculous about the Lord's Supper, but they have different ways of explaining it. And I, I want to I talk about those because it's kind of interesting and it's talking about a miracle that we're going to be uh, partaking of and participating in this morning. View 1 is the Catholic Church teaching that the miracle is a change of substance in the bread and the wine. And, and because it's a change of substance, they call the miracle of, well, for them more the Mass or the Eucharist, uh, transubstantiation. You've heard the word trans in front of other words. Trans often means change. And so for Catholics, the bread and wine miraculously turn into the body and blood of Jesus. Uh, the Catholic Church believes that when the priest repeats Jesus' words of institution, the ones that we read in our text that Paul's also repeating, this is my body and this is my blood, the change of substance happens at that moment so that Christ becomes physically present in those elements in the church. And that's why, if you've ever been to a Catholic church, the priest holds the bread and wine up so high because if Jesus is physically present, well, we need to worship him, right? We need to worship in Jesus' presence. We, we worship him, his body and blood. It's also why um, often Catholics kneel and do the sign of the cross when they enter the sanctuary because Jesus is regularly present there in the Mass. And why they often kneel when they come up. It's kneeling in worship in the very presence of Jesus. It's also why the priests eat and drink the leftover wafer or bread and wine and are very careful not to drop or a crumb or, or spill uh, spill spill anything because you you don't want to be throwing away or the the body and blood of jesus that would be very disrespectful you might be wondering how is it that there's a change of substance but then afterwards it still looks like a wafer or it looks like wine this gets a little bit philosophical but i'll, I'll be be quick because you might be interested in this well they they distinguish between what are called accidents and substance of things. Accidents, every item, everything in the world has accidents and substance. They, 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 this is how they explain it. So accidents are the smell, the look, and the feel of a thing. So a bread is white. It has a particular smell. It's soft or it's harder if it's a wafer. It has a particular taste. 
In the miracle, they believe the accidents don't change. So how it looks, how it smells, all of that does not change, but that the substance does. And the substance is the thing itself. But that's not something that our senses take in, and that's why we don't see the change. The Orthodox Church, from what I can tell, has a very similar belief about how the miracle of the Lord's Supper works as the Catholic Church. And and you probably know there are a number of Orthodox churches in our region, obviously around the world. I think there are about 300 million Orthodox Christians, uh, but it's like Syriac Orthodox, Russian, Greek, Coptic, Indian, Armenian, Eritrean, Ethiopian. They call consubstantiation just by a different term. They call it trans-elementation instead of transubstantiation. So, same idea, the elements change. View two is the extreme other side of this belief. It's those who follow the teaching of Zwingli, who was a leader in the Reformation in Switzerland in the early 1500s. In contrast to the the Catholic Church, he taught that there was um, almost not much of a miracle at all, maybe a miracle light compared to the Catholic Church. Uh, It's more a miracle for him in our memories so that as we partake of the supper, we have a sacred memory of the miracle of salvation that took place at Calvary. But there's no miracle for him going on right now when believers celebrate the supper. It's a remembrance only, and this is sometimes called memorialism. And any number of churches celebrate the Lord's Supper with a Zwinglian bent today. Jesus is not present in a special way. The Lord's Supper points us in a very special way to Jesus and his sacrifice. It reminds us of it, but there's really no miracle going on. A third very uh, popular view for, for many Christians is the Lutheran view. If the Catholic view is that the miracle is the change of substance, the Lutherans who came out of the Catholic Church at the time of the Reformation wanted to keep a little bit of a miracle going on related to the substance of the bread and wine. And they call the miracle consubstantiation. Con as means with. In other words, Christ is physically present not through a change in substance, but he is somehow uh, physically present alongside of the bread and the wine. And, and, and to get at that, they have an interesting view of the nature of Christ, of the person of Christ, and his human nature and his divine nature and how that works. The last view, uh, the view that we have as a Reformed church, view number four, um, any number of other Christians also share this view in their celebration. And it's basically that Jesus is really present but not physically. He's not physically here. Um, We believe that there is a miracle in the supper, but the miracle happens not through a change of supper or through Christ's physical presence in any way, but through him being present in a special way in his divine nature and him doing a miracle in our hearts as we partake in true faith. Baptism and the Lord's Supper, the two sacraments of our church, we believe are the visible word from God. 
And just as uh, the written word is a means of grace for our lives, and through the Holy Spirit we are renewed and we're transformed by this word when it's rightly preached, there's something similar going on when we come in faith as we see and partake of the visible word. And so our focus as we partake and celebrate, it's not on the substance itself, but it's on Christ who is physically in heaven now. And as we come and partake in faith, just like in listening to God's word and preaching, we believe Jesus comes to be present in a very special way in our hearts. And this is the miracle. Because it's not just a memorial, but a miraculous thing for believers, this is a holy supper. Those who don't believe in Jesus should not partake. It's that holy, that special. And it's why we even want our covenant children to have made profession of faith before participating. I want to talk about five takeaways from this miracle of the Lord's Supper. Two related to our worship together, first of all. Um, One, sometimes even though we're not followers of Zwingli in terms of the meaning of the Lord's Supper, we may treat it as a mere memorial and then we can miss the miracle. In other words, we might approach communion remembering very fondly and intently Jesus' life and death and being thankful for his work, but that's about it. The reality is that communion is not a mere memorial service because Jesus is not dead anymore. We serve a risen Savior. We might have tears that Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins, as we remember his sacrifice, but those tears become tears of joy as we experience the miracle that he does in our hearts and lives today. The miracle of saving lost people like us, the miracle of meeting us in our need, of making us more like him, of giving us that firm hope of eternal life. And these are all realities that we take with us They're not just memories uh, to put on the shelf and and look at sometimes. And that's why we often end uh, communion service, and probably notice that, remember it, with a song of thanksgiving and praise. It's a holy and special supper, but it's also a celebration. It is not a mere memorial. One more takeaway, thinking of worship. Some of us remember that people used to make a real concerted effort of being present for communion services. And now, not as much. But if God works a miracle in communion, then you don't want to miss that. And and so I hope that you look forward to and you plan for these worship services. You know, when you're missing a meal of the Lord's Supper, you're truly missing a miracle. Um, In in life, right, when you miss too many meals in a row, well, you get sick and unwell. And in a similar way, it's not 
healthy spiritually to miss these meals. They are that important for us. And, and so I encourage you to do your best to be present when we have communion and worship. We celebrate as a church six times a year, always the same six times a year. Uh, we always mention in the bulletin at least a couple of weeks ahead of time. So those were two takeaways related to worship. Now three uh, bit more personal takeaways. As we partake of this in faith, we're reminded of the one loaf from many pieces of bread, the one cup from many grapes. And in other words, this is about the unity of the body of Christ. And we're called to live in that unity, and we're called to keep that unity. That calls us to reconcile if we're at odds with someone in the church, and we should be spurred on from here to reconciliation uh, with all people, love for all people, that hard-to-get-along neighbor. The miracle in our hearts is for others. It's not just me and Jesus in the supper, but us and Jesus and others. Romans 12 says, as far as it depends on us, we are to live at peace with everyone. And all of that, that unity, that reconciliation, and each one of us, as much as it depends on us from our side, that can really happen through the power of the miracle of the Lord's Supper. Also, see this as your spiritual food and drink. We take physical food and drink to strengthen our bodies. This, like the written word, is to strengthen our faith. And in a couple of ways that I can think of, uh, we're through that nourishment and strengthening, uh, we're more empowered uh, than ever to do battle against the sin in our own hearts as we put on the full armor of God. We're empowered from here to promote Christ's cause in our culture. And we even seek to do our business and day-to-day -day calling in a way that honors God. Strengthened in our task on this earth as citizens of God's kingdom, wherever we are. As we read in our text, we proclaim Christ's death until He comes. In this supper and in all we do and even to the ends of the earth. A second way it's our spiritual food and drink is that uh, you and I can be miraculously strengthened when we are weary. And we get weary. Life is hard. There are disappointments. But here, the Spirit is giving you strength to get through the hard times as you journey to your heavenly home. One final, a fifth takeaway Go out from here sensing the nearness and closeness of Christ Jesus to you. When you go out after a while, He'll have personally fed you. He loves you. He cares for you. And He provides the spiritual sustenance that you need for wherever you're at in your life today. And after all, that's what a father does for his children. And so there's also a miracle of you and I being assured that we are children of God. It takes a transformed heart 
for all these things a miracle of God, a miracle of grace? If you need and if you want a miracle, you don't have to look any further than the regular celebration of the Lord's Supper. May God grant us a true and living faith as we all approach the table this morning so that we will and that we do experience the miracle of salvation, of renewal, of power for living, of unity, and of the continuing transformation of our lives, all for the glory of our great God. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, thank you for this opportunity uh, to hear your word. And Lord, that this is a day that uh, we not only uh, can hear your word, but uh, we have the visible word coming in a special way in the Lord's Supper. Bless that celebration. Lord, do miracles in our hearts and lives, turning us to you, turning us away from sin, giving us strength to do uh, impossible things like going through chemotherapy treatments, uh, seeing us through challenging times as parents, uh, seeing us through uh, tough times with people at work, sustaining us, strengthening us, filling us. Thank you that you care for us, Lord. We, we love you as your, cho- your children. In Jesus' name, amen.